be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Peter's not saying he's going to destroy you so that you're not saved, but he will destroy you spiritually in the sense that you won't be effective. He will destroy you that you will be a nothing Christian, that you will not bear fruit, that you will be defeated, that you will be one of these depressed, defeated Christians that will never have joy. And we, we all go through times like that, but this is talking about he wants to do it permanently. I've heard Satan referred to as the third enemy. Christ followers have three enemies in this life which wage war against our relationship with God. One is our own flesh, our sin nature. One is the world, the belief system that is completely opposed to God and for the time being is ruling the planet. It opposes God and it is part of His plan of redemption to wait a little longer before He destroys it. The third enemy is the enemy that drives the other two, and that is Satan himself. So we have a lot of pressure to turn away from God. But we also have the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and the witness of the heroes of the faith whom we have been studying for the past several weeks here on Verse by Verse. Thank God that greater is He who is in us than he who is in the world. Our teacher for these radio Bible classes is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 25 years at Lakeside Community Chapel. Today's lesson is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's ninth message about the heroes of the faith. Our main text is Hebrews chapter 11, and today we are concentrating on verses 33 through 35. In the last class, Pastor Steve introduced us to four heroes who served as judges in Israel, Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. Let's head into the classroom now for a lesson about our responsibility in light of the example set by these flawed but heroic men. So first he says, who by faith conquered kingdoms. There were a number of Old Testament characters. We don't know who, who in particular he had in mind in all of these cases, but there were a number of Old Testament characters who, who conquered kingdoms. In a military manner, you had Joshua, you had David, you had others. There were kings who did this. Others like Moses and Daniel conquered, but in a not exactly in a military manner. They believed God's word, that God would have them conquer this kingdom. And they did it not by military might, but by their faith in the Lord, who used the military. They believed God's word, that they would defeat their enemies, even when the outlook was bleak. He goes on to say, by faith, they performed acts, of righteousness. Now, this doesn't mean personal righteousness. The, the thought here is that they administered justice. Uh, they judged rightly and wisely at a governmental level. And this could apply to a number of people. Uh, they governed in a righteous and just manner. It could be David, could be Samuel. And David, it says in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 15. You don't need to turn there, you just need to write some of this down. So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and righteousness for all his people. And it could be said of, of Samuel as well. could be said of Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest of all men. That's the thought here. By faith, they obtained promises. God made specific promises to these men and women of faith, and uh, by their faith in God, they gained what was promised. It could refer to a number of people. 
It could refer to Abraham, who received the promise of a son, and he believed God. It could refer to military leaders that we looked at today, to, uh, to Gideon and, and David and Barak, who obtained the fulfillment of promises made to them. It could mean a number of people. By faith, we go on to the next phrase. And these really, we don't need to, to look at, at these in depth, but by faith, they shut the mouths of lions. There are a number of Old Testament men of faith who fought lions. You have Samson, who said that he, he killed, the Bible says he killed a lion by his own strength. You have David, who, who told, uh, when he was a boy, he said, I was watching my sheep, and uh, actually it was father's sheep, and when a bear would come or a lion would come, I killed him. That's why I can take on this, this Goliath. But I, I tend to think that the writer was thinking more in line with Daniel, who was thrown unjustly, was thrown into a den of lions, and the Bible says that God shut the mouths of these lions. Daniel chapter 6. Verse 34 goes on to say, By faith they quenched the power of fire. And this probably refers to Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who instead of bowing down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3, we were thrown into a burning furnace and yet were untouched. They quenched the power of fire. By faith, they believed God. In fact, their faith is so wonderful in that portion of Scripture. They said, our God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't, we will not worship your image, Nebuchadnezzar. Now that's faith. God is able to do it. But if he doesn't, it's all right. We'll submit to his sovereign plan. We will not compromise. They were great men of faith. By faith, it says, they escaped the edge of the sword. Many times David fled to safety and escaped from the sword of King Saul. Elijah fled for his life from wicked Queen Jezebel. By faith, from weakness, were made strong. And I, I suppose the most well-known example of someone who was physically weak but was made strong was Samson. Do you remember the story? How uh, uh, they cut his, his hair and uh, he gave in to Delilah's enticements, as I said, and, and he became weak and uh, the Philistines plucked out his eyes and they mocked him. And then at the end, they're in this pagan temple and they make sport of Samson. And they tell Samson to entertain them. And I don't know what kind of... Uh, a wicked entertainment they wanted, but uh, he asked one of the lads to bring him right by the pillars. He's blind, he's weak, and he holds his hands up against these two pillars. And uh, haven't you seen the movie on this? Don't you remember the movie? And, and uh, he prays to God he, he, for, for one last time for strength. And he pushes those pillars down, he dies with it, but all the uh, people, the Philistines who are in there, die too. That was one who from weakness was made strong. He trusted the Lord. He trusted the Lord. And Gideon also admitted that he was the least in his father's house. Remember, we just read that. He said, I'm, I'm from the, the tribe of, of Manasseh, and I'm weak. Uh, David over Goliath, there were a number of people like that. Also says, by faith they became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. And this could refer to any number of, of heroes of faith. It was said of David that while Saul slew his thousands, David slew his tens of thousands, put foreign armies to flight. And then in verse 35, it says, by faith women received back their dead by resurrection. In the Old Testament, we read that both the prophets Elijah 
and Elisha raised boys from the dead and gave them back to their mothers. And both of these prophets prayed in faith that God would raise their boys to life. They prayed, they trusted God, he answered, they said, here's, here's your son. Now, we want to stop in the middle of verse 35. We don't want to go any further. We want to apply these truths to our lives. Uh, and as I told you, we'll save the rest for next week, Lord willing, because the tone changes. And we want to look a little bit about suffering, how faith enters into suffering. I want to pull out the primary principle from these verses about Old Testament heroes of faith. And I, as I see it, the primary principle is this, that faith, whether you're in the Old Testament, whether you're in the book of Hebrews age, or whether you're living today, faith conquers adverse situations. Now, how does that apply to us? How does that apply to us? There are many Christians today, many Christians who talk about faith, and they have all kinds of cliches and all kinds of talk about faith, but they don't have a clue as to how to face their, their battles. They don't know how to face their battles with faith that God will give them victory. It's like faith is just unrelated to the real battles of, of life. And you may, you may say, well, how could this possibly apply to me? I'm not, I'm not going to face a military army, and I'm not going to rule a government or find myself in a den of, of lions or in a blazing furnace. How could this possibly apply to me? No, you're not going to have those things happen to you. But you and I face spiritual battles every day. We are in a war, and uh, daily we need, we need the Lord's strength to overcome adversities. And uh, we have an enemy. We do have an enemy, and I touched on this last week, but I want to just go into it a little bit more. We have an enemy, and I'd like you to see who this enemy is. 1 Peter chapter 5, just two books over from Hebrews 11. 1 Peter chapter 5, this is the real enemy. He may use people, but they are not the enemy. It's Satan, 1 Peter chapter 5. And I think verse 7 has to be connected. We are to cast all our anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And a lot of the anxiety comes from spiritual warfare. Verse 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, you cannot lose your salvation. That's not what he means. Peter's not saying he's going to destroy you so that you're not saved. But he will destroy you spiritually in the sense that you won't be effective. He will destroy you that you will be a nothing Christian, that you will not bear fruit, that you will be defeated, that you will be one of these depressed, defeated Christians that will never have, have joy. And we, we all go through times like that, but this is talking about he wants to do it permanently. I shouldn't say we all go through times like that. Many of us go through times like that. But verse 9 says, but resist him, firm in what? Your faith, firm in faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So you're not in this alone. Satan is after each believer, no matter where he is in the world, and we are to resist him, firm in our faith. Now, what does that mean? How do we resist the devil? Well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Like I said, we touched on this last week, but let's, let's probe a little bit here. Every, every day we face the kingdom of darkness. I don't believe we ought to go overboard on this. I believe we ought to give as much attention to it as the Word of God does, but we ought not to neglect it either and, and think that it doesn't exist. There is a satanic warfare going on. And every day we face this kingdom of, of darkness. And Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 10, tells us about it. Finally, Paul writes, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength 
of his might. This is not something we do per se. It is something that is done to us. God strengthens us. Literally, the expression is to clothe oneself with power. We are to have God's strength. We are to appropriate God's strength. The Lord, in other words, empowers us to battle with the devil. You, you don't operate in your own strength or you're going to be crushed. You, uh, you need the operating power of God drawn from his character in order to live victoriously. And yet there are many Christians who try to face satanic warfare on their own. And, and they're ruined spiritually. Uh, we, we try to counteract Satan's attacks by our own intellectual arguments. Believe me, you are no match for him. You are no match for him. We try to counteract, counteract his attacks with sheer human effort. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. We counteract his attacks at times with trite religious expressions that really mean nothing to Satan. We tell him all kinds of places to go and we claim certain things. I think that means a thing to him. I don't think he's going to say, oh, you told me to go somewhere. I'm going to run somewhere. I don't think you don't see anywhere in the Bible that says believers are to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's a waste of time. I think Satan needs to be reminded, oh, you mentioned the blood of Christ. I think I'll run away. I, I, I don't think that's at all what we're, what we're told to do. What are we told to do? How do we let the Lord strengthen us so we can stand firm? Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. The Lord strengthens us when we appropriate his resources by putting on the complete armor of God. And the analogy here is between a Roman soldier who gets dressed for battle and a Christian has spiritual armor just like that. And the thought here is a full armor. Don't leave any part unguarded. You know why? If you leave any part of you unguarded, that's where you're vulnerable. That's where you're vulnerable. And Satan knows your strengths as well as your weaknesses, and he will attack that area. That's why he goes on to say, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the what? Schemes or the wiles of the devil. What, is, what does that mean? Uh, the, the wiles of the devil or schemes means the cunning, deceitful scheming. It refers to Satan's method of attack. In fact, our English word method comes from the Greek word that is translated schemes or wiles. That is to say that there is a whole entire systematic uh, methodology and strategy that he will use against you. Every one of us uh, is diverse and, and, and different, and we all have certain strengths and weaknesses, and he'll go after them. The reason I say strengths is because sometimes we think that in our strength we're, we can't be conquered. Beware of your strengths. Sometimes it's the weaknesses that uh, I'm prepared to deal with. It's the strengths that I think I'm okay on and that nothing can happen there. So beware of that. He knows your weak points and he knows your strengths and he maps out his strategy to fit you personally. Discouragement, frustration, anger, doubts, moral weaknesses, doctrinal error, pride. He knows all about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He's subtle, he's wickedly brilliant, and you are no match for him. You will lose if you don't put on the complete armor of God. Because the point is this, when warfare comes, you are to stand. You don't go out and attack him. You don't go after him, he comes after you. And if, you're stand, if, if you have the full armor on, when he attacks, 
And for some of us, it seems like every day, but, but some days are worse than others. When he attacks, if you have that full armor on that you've appropriated, then you're going to stand, stand firm. That's why the expression stand is used here. He says in verse 11, put all the full armor of God that you may be able to stand. Stand firm. It was a military word used for standing one's ground in a critical position on a battlefield rather than turning away and run and running. In fact, uh, if you go through this list of the armor, he doesn't, you'll notice he doesn't list any piece covering the back. Because God doesn't expect us to retreat. He expects us to be fully clothed in the armor of God and to stand firm, clothed in his armor. Now, what are some of the, the uh, resources and what is the armor? We don't have time to go into all of this. And I, if you want to know more, I'd encourage you to go to our tape library. And uh, we have a series of tapes on Ephesians chapter 6. In fact, we have a whole album on this. But let's just look at some of this. He says in verse 12 that we don't struggle against humans. It's struggle against demonic forces. Uh, Therefore, take up, verse 13, the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. What is the evil day? It is any day he attacks you. It's not one future day in the, in, uh, in prophetic, in the prophetic plan of God. It is any day. And having done everything to stand firm. And what do you need to stand firm? Well, he says in verse 14, stand firm, therefore having girded your loins with truth. You need truth. You need truth. The truth of God's word. That's what you need. Because Satan will try to get you on an error and on things that are not true. And will try to mess up your mind. Then having put on the breastplate of righteousness, what do you need? You need personal righteousness. You need to be obedient to the truth. Uh, if you're a carnal believer, if you're one who's living in sin, then you are going to be a heyday for Satan because you can't resist him. Personal righteousness. Verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you understand from the gospel that, that you have peace with God. And so when Satan comes and tries to cause you to, to doubt your salvation and, oh, God doesn't like you and God's going to really come down on you, you need to understand you're at peace with God. You're not at war with God. You're at war with Satan. Verse 16, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to ex extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. You need to believe God's word. God has given us faith. We need to appropriate it. These are not things that you need to ask God for. These are things that, that God has already given us. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Boy, that is so wonderful. We have a past, a present, a future salvation. Put that on your head so, he, so Satan doesn't mess up your, your thinking. It's the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit. That is the only, really, that is the only offensive weapon, is the sword of the Spirit. And it's very clear what this is. It's the Word of God. So when he comes at you with something, you just are able to, uh, to know, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Let me just give you an example of how, how this works. I don't know about you, but I find that when I go to sleep at night, I am very vulnerable to Satan, more so than during the day, because I'm, I'm occupied. I'm preoccupied with things during the day. But when I lay down at night, and I, I can very easily begin to, to worry about things. And what I have done, and I think this just illustrates how to take up uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I, don't, I don't speak to Satan. I don't have anything to say to him. I don't want to talk to him. But what I do is I use the word to, uh, to minister to me and remind myself. And there have been times where I find myself uh, worrying about something. You know what verse really helps me a great deal? 
I'll be thinking about what I have to do tomorrow. And oh, what if this doesn't happen? I have this next week. What am I going to tell this person that? And uh, Matthew chapter 6, I think it's verse the end of it, verse 34. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough cares of its own. That is, that's how you use the word of God. You, you take a specific statement of scripture that, that applies to your battle. And I, oh, that's right. What do I have to worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow will take care of itself. And what Jesus meant by that is that uh, God gives us grace for the worries of today, the, the cares of today. He doesn't want us to worry at all. When tomorrow comes, God will give us grace for tomorrow. God doesn't give us grace today for tomorrow's problems. He gives us grace and strength when those problems come. So he says, thank you, Lord. You take care of it. You just go to bed. We are to stand firm. Make sure that you are clothed for battle. Now, what is our responsibility, and how does this have to do with, with faith? Our responsibility is to just depend upon God, obey him, and take his armor on. And that means you have to have faith that this armor is sufficient. You have to trust God that he has fitted you with everything you need, that you don't need a special experience. You don't need some kind of mystical new experience to deal with, with Satan. The Bible says in James 4, 7, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And it's all in trust. It's all in trust. You submit to God, you resist the devil by believing that Ephesians 6 is the appropriate place and, and it is true. It is the truth from God on how to handle spiritual warfare. You can have victory. You can have victory. You, you can have victory, and uh, you can experience that all, all that God wants for you, you can experience victory over doubts, over lust, over pride, over jealousy. Not to say you'll never be tempted in those areas, but you can have victory. It's all found in God's Word. And so when you read about these Old Testament characters, don't look at that and say, oh, it's totally unrelated to where I am. You are in a, in a, in a more fierce kind of battle than they were in. If it was just a physical battle, it'd be a lot clearer. It's a subtle battle. It's an insidious battle. But you don't need to live a defeated life. You really don't. You walk by faith. It's a matter of really believing God's word and taking it seriously and living by it. You know why? Because faith conquers over adversities. That's the whole point. It, it isn't a victim. Faith is the victor. It is our faith that overcomes adversities. It's great to know that God has equipped us with all that we need to overcome temptation and fear. We just have to use the equipment. Through faith, we can even stand up to the tricks of the devil. He's always on the lookout for a chink in our armor, so we need to always be alert. But we're well protected as long as we follow Paul's instructions there in Ephesians. Well, thank you for listening today to Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher for these daily radio Bible classes. For over 25 years, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. While he still serves at Lakeside, Verse by Verse Ministries produces these radio lessons so that you can hear them also. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry made possible through the prayers and gifts of interested people who have first been faithful to their local church. Our web address is versebyverseradio.org. If you visit our website, you can listen to today's program again. Handy if you missed the beginning or if you want to tell a friend about it. You can also hear previous broadcasts on our archives page. You may prefer to download them and listen later, and that's just fine too. 
In fact, we offer a free podcasting service. If you would like to listen at a different time of day, and that way you'll never miss a class either. We invite you to browse the website and read about Verse by Verse Ministries and Pastor Steve. There's a link to subscribe to our complimentary newsletter as well. The web address once more is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the conclusion of another message in our in-depth study of Hebrews chapter 11 and the heroes of the faith. If you would like to hear the whole message at once, you can order a cassette tape or an audio CD. To do that, call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. I hope you can be here tomorrow for another look into the lessons taught by the heroes of the faith. Do you ever wonder why life seems so hard sometimes? Why do Christians suffer? Does that mean there's something wrong with them? Pastor Steve will have the answers in our next class. See you then. 